It wasn't a, a peaceful moment in my life. Uh, lots of times when we, for those of you who are in the pageant industry, and a lot of you are into the pageants uh, these days, uh, but usually like when you ask uh, the contestants if they could have one thing, what would they, what would they want? What do they normally say? World peace, right? They always say world peace. And I think sometimes it's hard for us, uh, Kurt kind of alluded to this morning already, there's so many things in our lives that uh, take away, that can take away our peace. And it's hard for us sometimes to even think about world peace, to think about what's going on anywhere else other than our own lives, because our, our own lives are so full of conflict and uh, uh, uneasiness, uh, unrest, because of what we're experiencing in our day-to-day stuff, right? What happens, this is, this is a question I want you to actually answer out loud. Uh, what happens to you when you are not experiencing peace? What happens to you? How do you know that you're not experiencing peace? What's that? Feel agitated, yeah, yeah. What? Nappy? Oh, snappy, sorry, yeah, yes, mask, yes. Can't sleep. Yeah, that's a big one. Cry is a good one, yeah. Those are all great reactions, right? When we, we, don't, we aren't having peace in our lives, our body tells us, right? Whether we know it or not, I, I shared a couple weeks ago how I was driving in my car one day and I had a, a panic attack. Like, it was crazy. I, I, I didn't even know it was there. I didn't know it was, what was happening, but I was experiencing unrest in my soul but I didn't know it until my body kind of tell, told me, you know, something's happening, you know, like deal with it. And so when we're not experiencing peace, our bodies usually tell us that pretty eventually, you know. Some of us, you know, some of us dive into addictions maybe. We're not experiencing peace. Weight loss, weight gain. Maybe there's shame. We've all felt the byproduct of not having peace in our lives. And again, oftentimes we think of peace as like two people fighting, right? There's, there's two parties at war. The best way for us to think about it is, you know, two countries at war, and we want peace for those countries, so they stop hurting each other, stop killing each other. But when you look at uh, peace, some of you know this word, but peace uh, in Hebrew is what? Does anyone know what that is? Shalom. Well, you guys are so scholarly. That's great. So quick. Shalom, right? And what, what does shalom mean? Does anyone know? Wholeness, yeah. Exactly, wholeness. So it's not just an absence of conflict. Though that's, that could be part of it. But peace is a sense of wholeness in all aspects, in all parties. So it's not just one party wins and therefore there's peace. No, like both parties win. There's wholeness in the whole situation. Politically, socially, personally, emotionally, spiritually, that is shalom. Another way for us to think about peace is you know, this idea of like, our kingdom, right? And I loved how Josh framed uh, lust uh, a few weeks ago, right? When we kind of encroach our kingdom on other people's kingdoms and when we they're not ours, right? But rest is when our kingdom is, is at full rest with the assurance of who? Jesus, right? There's, a, there's a, a divine assurance that happens 
and our kingdom is at rest. We're not looking to fight. You know, uh, we, we feel at where our kingdom is whole, right? We aren't needing or wanting anything. We are complete in Christ, and we are at rest. The Prince of Peace is looking after our kingdom. Why was there no shalom? So you think of the word shalom and wholeness. Why was there no shalom? In that, in that story with me and uh, that kid, why was there, what, what was happening, as far as shalom goes, why was there no shalom in that situation? Where was it lacking peace? And there's also a piece of the story I, I want to also add to this that would, might help. I forgot to add, which is kind of important. Uh, as we're, as we're chatting, as I'm chatting with this kid, he did stop. So he drops the chairs, and he says, listen, like, I'm, I'm only taking these chairs. My, my brother saw them earlier, and we don't have any furniture in our house. I was like, oh. I was like, okay. Um, he's like, and so we, we just moved here, and my brother, my older brother said, I need to go, basically told me to go get this, steal this from you. I was like, uh, Okay, well, let's just, let's just chat for a second here. And so, because they had no money, they had nothing, and they had furniture. So, where was their lacking shalom in, there, in, that, in that piece? So, the po- poverty, right? There, there's a lack of wholeness because of uh, the, cycle, the cycle of poverty, right, that they're living in. Exactly. All your, all your options are just bad choices in order to survive. I mean, these, these pieces of furniture were not great. <laughs> they, they were, but it's all they, they needed that. There was a brokenness with him and his brother, right? There was a piece that was missing there where his, brother, his older brother felt like he could tell his younger brother to go steal something. There's shalom missing in that situation, that part of the story, right? The brokenness that had led to poverty in our society. A breakdown of systems. The, what was happening between me and the kid, right? As we continue to look at the Sermon on the Mount, as we've been you know, kind of resting in the last few days, last few weeks, we see it again as a map of the kingdom. We find a scripture, section of scripture that shows us what shalom looks like. Jesus gives us a very clear picture, I think. He doesn't use the word shalom. He doesn't even use the word peace in it. But it's going to show us how, how apprentices, we can practice peace, shalom, with others, but also for ourselves. So look at, let's look at Matthew 5.38. We're kind of skipping around in the Sermon on the Mount a bit. Matthew 5.38, it says this. You have heard what what it was, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, the one who has done wrong to you. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, kilometer, go with him too. 
Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. If you want to experience peace, what is Jesus saying here that we have to do? What is Jesus saying in these stories that shows us peace? Well, the first thing is this. Peace is always about the relationship. Shalom is always about a relationship. So whether you're someone carrying a a, a soldier's gear for a mile or someone who slapped you or someone that's suing you or someone who stole uh, your your furniture from your front lawn, whether it's uh, a relationship that you have with somebody else, maybe it's something that you've been experiencing internally, it's all about a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship that you have with God. But peace is always about a relationship. I think sometimes we think peace is like this idea of like, oh man, just chill out. Chill out, man. Just chill out, bro. Peace. It's a a sense of just, you know, full zen, right? And uh, just chill out, man. As we said before, shalom is so much more than just that. It's about relationship. But again, whether it's with others, with God, or even your relationship with yourself. Jesus kind of leaves these stories kind of open-ended. So what happens to the guy who carries the soldier's stuff for the extra mile? What happens after that, I wonder? After you turn the other cheek, what happens between those two people? When someone asks for your tunic, and you give them everything, and they, they want to sue you, but you give them way more than they asked for. I, I wonder what happens in that relationship. There's an opportunity for relationship. Bingo. No guarantee. Exactly. But how shocking is it, though? We've all been there. When someone has showed shalom to you by going above and beyond what you were expecting, right? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, especially in the middle of conflict, in the middle of something that's uh, pretty hard. And someone steps in and says, you know, no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm gonna break the cycle of the back and forth, like the badminton game, and I'm gonna step in, and I'm gonna go above and beyond. That tends to open up some doors for relationship. That person who takes your parking spot, those of us who still uh, travel to work, not from home, uh, Instead of freaking out at them, imagine if you showed up with a gift for them. What about your, your, your boss who you cannot stand and is cruel to you? <laughs> and they show up to their office with a gift basket from you. Well, that, that does something. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Especially after they just treated you poorly. After maybe you just got in a fight and you said, you know what, I'm going to bless you today. It opens up opportunity for a relationship. We don't know how the soldier responded, the person who got slapped responds, the person who got sued, how they respond. But it opens up opportunity for a relationship. And it's easy for us to kind of apply these things to others maybe who have mistreated us. But what about your relationship with yourself, with God? Maybe you struggle to forgive yourself for something you did and you can't find peace over it, in it. What does it look like for you to go the extra mile 
to find peace for yourself. If you are struggling to find peace, are you willing to go the extra mile to spend time with Jesus to find peace? To restore that relationship with you and God. He's just, he's just sitting there waiting for you. <laughs> all right, moving right along. Peace is also intentional and costly. So peace is all about the relationship, but peace is also intentional and costly. Psalm 31:14. turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's a pretty active thing. It doesn't just come to you naturally, right? It takes effort to be to be a peacemaker for others. It takes effort to seek peace in your relationship, even in yourself, with God. It takes effort to walk that extra mile, to turn the other cheek. It doesn't just come naturally. You actually gotta do something. Peace, again, isn't just about not responding rudely to your boss. It's not just about not doing something. It's the, the conflict that you find in your children. Not, I love you guys. You find peace in all things, right? Peace is not just about responding, not responding rudely to your boss, but it's the intentional, gentle, hard work of leading them to a new possibility. That takes work. There's a cost to that. It also applies to finding peace for the broken, for the poor, for the marginalized. That takes effort. It takes, it costs something. Peace isn't just going to, uh, going up to someone saying, you know, stop worrying. Things will just get better. Maybe I'll, I'll throw in a, uh, I'll pray for you too. No, it's, it's about us as the church stepping in and being peacemakers for those who are hurt and broken and taking the actual time and effort to make that happen. Psalm 85.9 says this. We read this this morning. I love this. We're not going to spend a lot of time in this. But surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land, steadfast love and faithfulness meet. But get this. Righteousness or another word for that is justice, and peace, kiss each other. That is interesting. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. What does that mean? It means sometimes, there, a lot of times, there's, just, there's a, the hard, intentional work of making things right in order to see peace happen. It takes the hard, intentional work of going the extra mile, turning the cheek, feeding those who are in a system that is broken and being the hands and feet of Jesus for them in order to bring peace. It's about like our, like our cruel boss, who I'm sure is a really nice person, but in this scenario, they're very cruel. Uh, pursuing peace is leading our society, our government, our neighborhoods to new possibilities of shalom. That's where justice and peace come together, where they kiss each other. They are tied together.
We want to be peacemakers for those who are hurting, but we cannot point people to the kingdom of God if we aren't willing to engage in acts of compassionate justice. All right. So the kid, I said, listen, let's tell you what. Uh, I have someone who is building a fence for for me right now at my house. That's how he was able to get into my yard, by the way, because our fence was totally down. We had no fence in the front yard. So we kind of cut right into my yard, grabbed the chairs, and he ran. I was like, listen, we're actually building a fence right now. If, I would love it if you came and you helped work on the fence with me and with the other guy who I hired to do this with, do this for me, and I'll pay you. And, I, and that way you can get any furniture you want. I'll, I'll even drive you myself. But once you come in, we'll, we'll hang out, we'll work, I'll pay you, done. Uh, okay. You can see his face. But, uh, <laughs> he puts the chairs down and he's like, yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll be right back. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I, I go talk to my brother. So he, he takes off. Justice and peace have to always go back to the dignity of the person too. They're not just some project or something that like, again, we, we kind of take suck the conflict out of something, but how do we actually recognize the dignity of the people that we're trying to provide peace for? The easy thing for me, and I, maybe I should have, I don't know, I was doing what I did, thought it was best in the moment, just say, you know what, take the chairs, have fun. Great, nice meeting you, all good. But, but my hope was that this would create some dignity for him, it's not just about that. <laughs> but I saw, to try to see value in people, to find the dignity in people, and to find the opportunity for relationship with people. Last but not least, definitely not least, so peace is about relationship. Peace is about intentional and costly work, and peace is God's presence. Uh, we light the candle of peace today because we, we know that Christ brought peace into the world. We moved into our, our new neighborhood uh, in December, almost a year ago this month, and the neighbors had no idea what they were getting themselves into when the Gliddens moved in. And we taught our kids uh, the, the priestly blessing. Anyone know this priestly blessing? We sing it sometimes. Out of Numbers 6.22, the Lord bless you and keep you. Yes. Lord, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. And sometimes it goes right to you and give you peace, amen. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We've taught this to our kids, and, uh, but we, we didn't anticipate how much Timothy would love it. <laughs> Timothy loves reciting this to people, right, Timothy? He gave you permission to share the story, yeah. He loves it. <laughs> He's become... Pretty attached. It's kind of like a routine for him. Every morning we go out to the bus stop with the kids, he's always yelling it at Audrey and Titus. Not just like saying it, but he yells it to the point where we're out the door and he is still screaming it out the door. And Audrey is a little embarrassed maybe sometimes uh, as this is, you know, 7.30 in the morning and he's screaming this. Our friend comes over to play. When our friend leaves, Timothy yells it <laughs> across the neighborhood as he's walking back across the street. He's yelling it over our friend. Uh, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. 
I give you peace. Amen. But he says it numerous times. The whole neighborhood can hear it. At the end of the verse, verse 27 says this, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So God is saying to Moses, who is then saying to Aaron and, and the priest, I want you to go and bless the people and say this over the people. In verse 27, says, I shall put whose name upon them? My name, God's name. And I will bless them. Whose face turns to them? God's, right? And in turn, they experience peace. Why does, why does, God, talk, why does God say, mention the face? Why is that a big deal in that verse? The face part of that. Yeah, well, yeah, partly, yeah, because he's so holy, right? Yes, yeah, big time. And there's a bit of a relationship piece to that too, right? So you understand, in, in, in the Old Testament, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, thank Old Testament guy, but during that time, people, they would, they would have to do things in order to attract the attention of their gods, of the pagan gods, right? So they would have to do things in order, because those gods were not paying attention to them. If they were suffering from famine or, uh, you know, plague, whatever, it's because, oh, well, their god wasn't looking at them. They weren't uh, seeing what they, were, what they were going through. And so they'd have to, like, cut themselves. That's why we see in, in, in like, Elijah, right, and, and summoning Baal, how he mocks them. Because, oh, Baal must be out going to the bathroom. He doesn't see you. But God says, listen, you, I see you. I see what you're going through now with all the COVID stuff, all the vaccine stuff, all the loss that I, you're experiencing in your families. Job things. I see you. My face, you don't have to get my, you don't have to like cry out to me. I see you. My face is turned towards you. I value you. And when the God of the universe, creator of you and me, in all of his glory and wonder, love, grace sees you, how can you not have a sense of wholeness? Sense of worth, sense of hope. God is saying, I know it's hard being a parent. I know it's hard being a single. I know it's hard being an outcast. I know it's hard navigating COVID. I know it's hard losing someone. I know it's hard when it doesn't really make sense. But I need you to know that I see you and my face is turned towards you And I need you to know that what I, what I want for you is good. And is what, is what best for you. We reflect on peace today because even while we were the soldier exercising our rights, he carried our garbage to the grave. He took it the extra mile. We reflect on peace because when he threw, when we threw the first punch, he put himself on the cross for us. We reflect on peace because even knowing that would all happen, that would all come to pass, 
he entered into our neighborhood as a child, proclaiming, manifesting, providing a way of peace. Romans 5 says this, 1 to 2, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what, who? Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserving privilege where we now stand and we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Not to sound like a proud or boastful dad, but my prayer for all of you is that you would proclaim God's peace like Timothy. Over your neighborhoods. Over your families. And even over yourselves. There's a strong connection between God's presence and peace. Because God is peace. As we enter into his presence, we can, that's the only place we can actually experience a place where our kingdoms come to rest. May you experience, may you proclaim God's presence in all things, bringing about a wholeness that surpasses all human understanding. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are so good to us. And God, we thank you for the fact that we can experience peace only through your son, Jesus. It's only in when we come into, a, into his presence, to your presence, that we actually can experience a peace that we can't even imagine. God, it is through you and through you alone that we are made whole, that we actually can experience shalom. God, so many times we try to find it in so many other places in the world, so many other voices saying, no, 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 you'll get wholeness over here. This will fill that gap. This will fill that gap. But God, we know that's not true because we've been there. We've experienced it. So God, we just thank you that we have wholeness through your son, Jesus. And God, my prayer for all of us this morning for St. John Vineyard, that this, is a, this has been a fun time to get together this morning and, and, and gather together. But as we scatter out into this week, I, I just pray that we would be people that would proclaim your peace to the people around us, to the cruel bosses that we have. Maybe it's the, the neighbor. Maybe it's uh, within our own family. And again, maybe it's even, even again, ourselves. That we would proclaim your presence, which in turn gives peace. Praise all in your name. Amen.